You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. The book of Genesis chapter 6. And beginning at verse 1. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose and the Lord said my flesh shall not strive with man forever For he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, that uh, those that were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. And uh, the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Before I get into the message, of course, please visit our Facebook page. You will find uh, today's message in uh, a podcast form. Also on our Prevailing Word uh, page on Facebook, um, the YouTube uh, channel, Prevailing Word Live, The link will also be on that page for those of you that are on Facebook. It's also on the Minister's Crucible, our Facebook page. Uh, Incidentally, um, since you know know where you are in the Lord, what you begin to do is from time to time you begin to share what you have learned uh, in, in ministry and shared what Uh, you have experienced while being a pastor because somewhere along the line someone would like to have some information uh, on uh, the ministry. Um, The minister's crucible is a no holds bar teaching. 
um, no stone will be left unturned. All the good and all the bad. Sometimes what we try to do is that we try to package all the good and just leave out the bad. Nope. All the good and all the bad is shared on the minister's crucible. Just to give you a little foretaste, um, preacher secrets exposed. Um, the pastor and the music minister, praise and worship singers, ushers, deacons, the whole nine yards is explained. Just in case someone may be interested on what to do and perhaps if they have second thoughts, they can simply say, I don't want to go through that. So um, that's what the minister's crucible is about. More in the minister's crucible later on um, as we uh, develop it even further. Now, in uh, Genesis chapter 6, notice that in verse 1 that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now, there is a lot of speculative preaching and a lot of, um, I would say, questionable information uh, regarding who the sons of God are. Some say they were fallen angels because we see sons of God in the book of Job chapter 1. So evidently um, in that chapter uh, we can glean from the fact that perhaps these were the angels. Uh, but to speculate even further would be folly because we do not have the whole scoop. Even though the Lord put it in the Bible, it is clear that if we go on a speculative chase, we may end up crossing into the area of false doctrine. And next thing you know, we have to give an account. I know that I've shared some things, some of my thoughts on this, and, and so I have to pull them back. I'll have to give an account for it, but I, I don't have all the information regarding the sons of God. And um, any man uh, of God uh, that teaches along these lines of questionable doctrine would do well to start out by saying, I do not have all the information, and what I may have may not line up with what God has already established. Nonetheless, it's in the scriptures, and it's there, so we'll just leave it at that. Verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. The word strive means with a straight course, to judge, plead the cause, contend, execute. God will not act as judge or minister forever. And so, the Lord will end the days of man as far as Noah is concerned, that we can glean from, that is etched in stone. This is not a promise in the Bible that God promised you 120 years. So please do not assume from me. Now you can assume what you want. You can think what you want. But from me, I'm not telling you this. Because we know that there is a variety of people that never made it to 120 years. 
So if you want to claim it, that's, that's you. I, I, me, I want to see Jesus. <laughs> that, that just, that's, that's, that's my heart. And what a, whatever days that he has allotted for me, that's what it will be, plain and simple. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he in, is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It must have got real bad in Noah's days to the point where the Lord said these words, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart because he knew that when he created Adam and Eve he knew that if sin came in wickedness would manifest and he knew that the degree of wickedness would demand his wrath. You see, people these days have created the kind of God that they want. Violating Exodus 20 and verse 3, that you shall have no other gods before me. The kind of God that people want is that if I do wrong, you do not judge me. Whether you want to accept this or not, that's up to you. It, I, I, you know, I have a, a, a bad, not a, not a bad habit, Scott, sorry. A good habit of wrecking your parade. I don't care what tune you're marching to. I do not regard you, I regard the Lord. And... So if you're, if you, I don't know if you're in here, but if those of you that are watching Prevailing Word Live are of the camp of defund police, now you're seeing the manifestation of it. You're seeing that in Seattle, Washington, and Portland, Oregon, no rule of law. But you're also seeing it in New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., among politicians who would love to declare to you that we are a nation under law. We honor the rule of law, yet they lie out of their face, both Democrat and Republican. No party has 
the one up. Why is that? It's because of the wickedness that is in man. And that's why the pastor has to be like an umpire. A ball is a ball, a strike is a strike. We don't care what team you're on. The only thing that we care about is the rule. And so we're seeing in cities, because of what happened to George Floyd, that a police officer put his knee on his neck and killed him. But that wasn't the only thing that killed him. Uh, that all of a sudden all police are bad, even the good ones. And that we do not need police officers. We can police ourselves. And the criminal mind begins to say, wait a minute. You mean I can do what I want and not fear being arrested? Because a criminal, in back in the day, when a police officer is around, the criminal doesn't even make a move until that police officer leaves. When the police officer leaves, then they're able to do their crime. But now we have reached the point in certain places of society where if a person did a crime, they are allowed to go back out because it's been determined that bail is discriminatory against black folk. And I'm seeing, this, is, this has been a couple of years now, I'm seeing now people coming to their senses about George Floyd. Really coming to their senses. One black police officer said, what started this all? What started this? And he said, a black police officer now, said this. He walked into a store with a fake $20 bill. And that's what started it. And then he mentioned he put a gun to a pregnant woman. And folk want to get angry at the pastor that tells the truth about all of this. Fine, you can get angry towards me, you get it. But the word is very simple. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. I told y'all this that he was trying to pass a fake $20 bill. What if he would have got a real $20 bill? He would have been alive. He was on drugs. Now, I'm not saying this out of the top of my head. I'm saying this because this was the medical examiner's report. That at the time that the knee was on his neck, 
he was on fentanyl. Now just in case you don't understand where fentanyl comes from, it comes from China. It reaches into Mexico and it comes up into the border into the United States and to date every year 100,000 people perish because of fentanyl coming from China. I said this about Breonna Taylor. I said this about her. I mean, had she not been sleeping with a dude that's not her husband, if she would have made wise choices and decisions not to sleep with men, and just in case you don't know what that means, fornication, she might have been alive. But her own boyfriend used her as a shield. They were both in the hallway, and she the only one that got shot six times or more. But no, folk want to get mad at the pastor because we're exposing what happens in the black neighborhood. Fine, you can get mad at me, but the word is the word. If you're not in the house of sin, there's a good chance that your life would remain alive. Boyfriend was also involved in drug dealing. So here you are fornicating and with a man that's a drug dealer. What is that saying to us? the world make sinful choices and all of a sudden the countryside blows up when Trayvon Martin got shot down in Florida it was a justified shooting because it wasn't a white man that shot him it was a Puerto Rican Spanish origin and all of a sudden it turned into a white black situation it was a justified shooting because he was in fear of his life. And Trayvon Martin was on top, getting the best. And he feared for his life. It's called Stand Your Ground in Florida. BLM came about as a result of that. And look at where BLM is today, getting millions of dollars and buying houses in gated communities. I'm just telling you what's happening in the hood, y'all. Uh, but we're not interested in that. Just preach me happy, preacher, and we can get, get along. But as soon as you start putting your thumb on my life, we done. Well, I'm just giving you the word. Nobody's forcing you to accept the truth. You can accept it or deny it. But one thing that is for sure, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8, you can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. The moment we get within ourselves that we need to be about truth, then we can see God much clearly. Of course, you know my topic is Hamas, and if you know anything about Hamas in the Middle East, the Palestinians have a terror organization called Hamas, but that, that's not my subject. I just wanted to 
put two and two together to get you to see that there is a little connection, not much, but a little connection between Hamas as far as the terror organization in Israel against the, Palestin uh, against the Israelites, the Palestinian organization of terror organization of Hamas against the Israelites. And the world wants Israel to accept the two-state solution. That's never going to happen in Genesis chapter 12. The promise of God is clear. This is your land. You, you're not going to do much to change anybody's mind. Uh, change God's mind and change the minds of those who know the truth. The Palestinians are there because they wandered around aimlessly. They were in the north in Lebanon. They were in Jordan. They were in Egypt. And they finally got, arrived in Israel and wanted to establish themselves as a nation. All of a sudden, the importance of the nation of, Palest of the Palestinians becomes so important that why wasn't it important before Israel became a nation in 1948? All of a sudden, now they come up and want to be a nation. And then you're going you're gonna to tell Israel to have a nation within a nation? There is no nation on this planet that have two nations and sharing a capital. But they want to make Israel do that. In violation of God's word in Genesis chapter 12. We all know that that's not going to happen. The whole intent of the pur and purpose of the Palestinians is because of the Dome of the Rock. I'm just giving you some information, not the text of my message, but I'm just giving you information about Hamas and the Palestinians. The whole purpose of the Palestinians being there and the Dome of the Rock being there and the uh, uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque being there is to prevent the Messiah from coming. That's the whole purpose of it. Because the temple must be built. And when the temple is built, we, are in, we will be as close to the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. So, my intent is to show you from the scriptures that the wickedness of man is great in the earth even today. And that's why when we see so much wickedness going on, for instance, uh, I think it was in, in Washington, Washington State, uh, an, an individual that was mentally disturbed walked behind, a, I guess, an 82 or 86-year-old woman and threw her down the steps, not once, but twice. Broken collarbone, broken ribs, broken, uh, I think, a fracture in the skull, I think it is. 82 or 86-year-old woman. You're not safe on the subways. People that should have been locked up are out on the streets because of a policy of prison reform to let all the bad people out because we don't want to appear racist. But these are individuals that have been commit, convicted of a crime, a felony. Some of them have been convicted with felony possession of a firearm. And you want to make all these gun laws. Look, folks. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now what the best gun law is. 
It's John chapter 3 and verse 3. John chapter 3 and verse 7. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 6. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through 12 I think it is. The Ten Commandments is the best gun law. But no, nobody wants to listen to that. Nobody wants to listen to the fact that if you get, if you repent of sin and place your full faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're done with sin. There's no need for murder, adultery, stealing, none of that. Taking the name of the Lord in vain, having other gods before him. There, there'll be no need for any of that if we would simply do what God said in his word. You shall not murder. There will be no need for overturning Roe v. Wade if people would stop fornicating and committing adultery. Become obedient to the scriptures. Now that's the backdrop with, with uh, Hamas, the terror organization in, within the Palestinian because they're all about wickedness. Now during their month of Ramadan, you know what they were doing, right? They were on the Temple Mount. They, they were inside their mosque. Now if, you, if you're inside a mosque, wouldn't you respect it a, just a little bit? You wouldn't be playing soccer in a church, would you? Well, they were playing soccer in a mosque. And they were built cracking stones to throw at the Israelis during the month, the, the, what they claim as their holy month, but yet they want to do violence against the Israelites. And then you got Iran that, that is close to getting a nuclear weapon and the rise of Iran because of taking the check out of the region. The check out of the region was Saddam Hussein. The, the Iranians were scared of Saddam. And the United States got rid of him and then Iran, or Iran, however you want to pronounce it, rose up and now they're the premier power in the Middle East. And they're this close from getting a nuclear weapon. You know what they'd done a couple of weeks ago? They shut off 27 cameras that permitted the IAEA, which is the Atomic Energy you know, Watchdogs, to see what they're doing. They shut off 27 cameras. So that way they wouldn't be caught doing what, they're not, what they said in the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, of not having a nuclear weapon. And so they're this close to getting it. And Israel said, we're not going to allow that. So we don't know how that's going to unfold. But nonetheless, Iran is, is the Persians, which is mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38 as one of the end time players of Gog and Magog, which we see its demise in, Gen in Revelation chapter 20. Whether we realize it or not, our Bible is unfolding the way that the Lord Jesus uh, told us. Not intended, but the Lord told us. We're watching events unfold in such ways that it is astounding. Verse 5 step, uh, stands out in Genesis chapter 6. Then the Lord, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great 
in the earth. The examples that I've just given you are just, it's just a small example of the wickedness that is going on in the earth, let alone the United States. Just a few weeks ago, 19 children, 19 children and two adults were slaughtered. In Buffalo, 12 black folk were slaughtered by a, a white man. What is this? This is wickedness on an unimaginable scale. How many gun laws do you need to stop an individual? You could write all the laws you want. You could put up gun-free zone signs all you want. We know that the world has a hard time with you shall not murder. But there are some people in the church that have the same mentality. Don't even care about the Ten Commandments because we're under grace. We're not under law. Grace still says don't murder. The one that gives grace still says do not steal. Just last week, in, I think was in uh, San Francisco, and they're having a very difficult time in San Francisco as far as the homelessness condition is concerned because the rent is so crazy and the housing market is so crazy, nobody can afford to live in those buildings. So if you're wondering why your, your homelessness are all over the streets, well, look at how much housing costs these days. Just a couple of, just uh, last week, I think it was, uh, I, think, I think it was about six or seven, I don't know if they were black or white because they all had masks, but they all came in, it was a smash and grab in a jewelry store, and they, and they took millions of dollars of merchandise. No police, no one fighting back. It's okay to steal now because what their law, their law in some of those cities is simple. You, it's okay for you to take $900 worth of merchandise. We won't prosecute you for this. So when you don't throw people in jail and keep them there for the commensurate of their time, commensurate to the crime of their, and doing time, and you let them out, what do you expect that they're going to do? What you've just told them is that I won't be punished. I won't be charged, I won't go to jail. And we all know that individuals that deal with petty crime, petty things, you know, small level, they escalate. Where it escalates to murder. We all know that it goes that way because those individuals don't care. So, so we can write all the laws that we want, but how many of you know that not one criminal obey any laws, let alone the Ten Commandments. But we gotta do something. Well, well yeah, we, we can do something. That something is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes, the eighth chapter. Look at verse 10. Then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of holiness and they were forgotten in the city. 
where they had so done. This also is vanity because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before him. Now fear is not when you're worshiping and you're reverencing the presence of God all, and, and that's associated, that can't be um, marginalized or, or, or minimized. We all know that when we worship God with the lifting up of our hands and the raising of our voices, that we're reverencing the presence of God. But we forget the equation the all-important equation of being very afraid of God. You see, a criminal is not afraid when there is no police officer that does his job. When a police officer does his job, the criminal is afraid. When the prosecutor does his or her job, they're afraid. When the jury comes back with their verdict, with a guilty verdict, they are very afraid. They are very afraid of a right judge that will give the sentence that he or she deserves. But when there's no fear, verse 11 stands out. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. But for those of us that not only reverence God with lifting up of our hands and the raising up of our voices, giving him the praise that is due his name, we are afraid of God even in the smallest thing. You see, we, we, we all like to sing songs, Lord, I want to be close to you, closer, closer. I want more of you, God. Give me more of you. More of your presence. Besides, the scripture does says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and cleanse your ways. Draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to you. We know that, but, but see what the requirements are. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. James wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to people that claim to know God. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, a person of two minds is one that says, well, they think one way and they think another. They think that God is not going to deal with them and they think that God is good. You see, the closer that we get to God, the more aware of the sinfulness we need to be in our own lives. That if we transgress even in the smallest thing, we are quick to say, Lord, I repent. Forgive me of my transgressions. 
You said in your word, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. For you said in your word that if anyone say they have not sinned, they've deceived themselves and the truth is not in them. In the smallest way, the smallest thing, becomes more apparent as you get closer to him and as you cry out for more of him his holiness comes in contact with you and all it will do is remind you that first you are dust and ashes and that every little thing that you thought that you got away with he brings you to account Go to Matthew chapter 10. You see, when you're not afraid of God, it is very easy to sin against him. Or when you suppress the truth and unrighteousness, as Romans chapter 1 tells us. It's very easy to sin because if you can deceive your mind into thinking that God is not there, that God is not watching you, very easy to sin. Verse 27 in Matthew chapter 10. I'll get back to Genesis in a moment. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We don't preach this anymore. In some of the preachers that I know today, some, not all. They don't even go near these scriptures. Uh, in the minister's crucible, just in case you want to know what crucible means, crucible means crux. It's a Latin word, which means cross. But it also means intense fire. You know, they're being put to the, to the fire. And so, in one of my episodes, I put it up there, pastors, music ministers, and praise and worship singers. I put in, in there, pastor, before you hire a music minister or ask them to play for you, you need to ask, first of all, ask yourself the tough questions. And then, you get your heart right and you start living right, living holy before God. Then when you want to bring people in, you ask them the tough questions. How's your marriage? How are you handling your money? What does your boss think about you? When was the last time you watched porn and solo sexed yourself? You start getting into the nitty gritty because when you want to present people into the presence of God, you can't carry 
old baggage into the presence of God and get away with it. Believe me, I've tried and it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's amazing in terms of God's mercy. He could have easily turned out my lights. And up to that point, I would have assumed that I'm in heaven. I've, I've, I've repented and, and didn't even come close because I was afraid of asking myself the tough questions and giving account. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would take time to judge ourselves, we would not be judged so that way we wouldn't be condemned with the world. We, we got to start asking people that are around us the tough questions. Where, where, how's your prayer life and how's your word life? And I'm not talking about what you do in front of people. How's your word life? And I'm not talking about you sitting there confessing a whole bunch of scriptures, but you can't control your tongue. You can't control your hands. You can't control your eyes. Obedience to the scripture is what I mean by your word life. Not sitting there and reading a bunch of scriptures and feeling blessed. That's not a word life. That's a life of a masquerade, a charlatan, a peddler, a huckster. We got to learn to fear God like if, not if, when he's looking over our shoulders. And we getting ready to tell a fat lie. And God is like saying, what did you just say? What did you just do? And then you get up on the platform in front of people and you think that you're spiritual? Yet you're spiritual, spiritually dead, non-responsive to the things of God. And then you have people that will excuse the world and condemn the righteous. We're not afraid of God. If we were afraid of God, we would be looking over our shoulders every single moment of our lives. Go back to Genesis chapter 6, if you will, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. It wasn't just wickedness, it was great. It was wickedness that was great in the earth. And that every intent, every, every means every, just like all means all. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. They go to sleep. 
thinking of evil. They get up in the morning thinking of what evil they could do. They travel throughout the day to think about the evil things that they are going to do. It was only evil continually. And then in verse 6, a verse that many people struggle with, even I. It's, it's very difficult for me to even fathom that God would be sorry for making man on the earth. I mean, the wickedness of man was so great. They asked, man, I'm sorry that I made them. And he was grieved in his heart. The, the word grieve means to carve. Hence, in a bad sense, to worry, pain, or anger, displease. I mean, the pain was so intense that it carved his heart. We get that scripture in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 4, I believe it's verse 30, where it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit. You see, the closer that we get to God, we can sense when we grieve him. We can sense when his heart is displeased with me. My hypocrisy was so great, he's had, he had to say these words to me. Come clean or be exposed. He was grieved. So grieved that he had to warn me, otherwise it would be curtains. I mean, if you had heard those words, what would you do? Would you, would you quickly repent and change your ways? Or would you just ignore them? You know, it's funny how we can sit there in our prayer time and thank God for a word that comes from God, but then God gives you a word about something that he has his thumb on, but you ignore it. Just like the false prophets that are out there. Those guys will, are quick to give you a word to get you all emotional, steal your money, and while the world out there needs a real prophet, we're quick to hear these nice words that only do one thing, make you feel good, but there is nothing about the wretchedness that abides in our hearts. And please do not sit there and say, well, I'm not a wretch like you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged. For with the same measure that you use, it will be used on you. Because there will be a time when you will have done something and then God brings the judgment on you. Yes. I wonder if, if we know what it really means 
break of the alabaster box. No, I wonder if we really understand that. To break open what was considered full of worth. Because when she broke the alabaster box, it wasn't because she was pouring out his love on him because he was doing something nice, but that she recognized the stench of her sinfulness. And she needed his forgiveness as a fragrance in the room. And she, the only way that she can describe the fragrance of forgiveness that came from Jesus was that she had to break open the box. It's like free breeze. When you know that there is something stinking up the room, you have to use something to freshen up the room. And it wasn't the alabaster box. And it wasn't the container that was in the alabaster box that made the room smell good. It was the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus because she recognized that she was in sin. That's what's behind the alabaster box, not giving praises, recognizing the wretchedness of our lives. And the only thing that can make this room smell good is his grace, his mercy, his peace, and his forgiveness. The wickedness was great in the earth, just like it is today. You know, you have to laugh at the media, Fox News included. They don't have the, the one up on anything. They're, they're all in it. Why, how can you say that? They're a conservative organization. You could be conservative, but not Christian. You could be conservative and not saved. Such wickedness, case in point, when you're scrolling on their, on their Facebook, on their uh, news page, you see them honoring that which God hates. This is LGBT month, Pride month, and besides folks, there's nothing to be proud about when you're involved in the same sex that God calls an abomination. There's nothing proud about the sexually transmitted diseases, not just for the homosexual, but for those that commit adultery and fornication. A few years ago, as I was doing a study on, on uh, gonorrhea and syphilis, down in Puerto Rico, they, they, first it was reported that they found a strain of, of syphilis that could not be cured. There's nothing proud about that. And now they're having parades in front of little kids. Doing, I mean, I, I can't even describe to you what, what they were doing because Paul says it's a shame to speak of those, those things which are done in secret. But those things that are done in secret are now in the open. They're walking up to little kids and doing lewd things. Now we're finding out, and this is the shame of it all, that 
the diary that they wanted to keep secret about, about Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley. And in the diary was this, that she was sexually, a sexually perverted person. But she zeroed in on perhaps the genesis of that perversion. She took a shower at a young age with her dad, Joe Biden, the president of the United States. There's videotape after videotape showing the evidence of pedophilia with the current occupant of the White House. And that doesn't put Trump in a light, a gleaming light either. He's got his own stuff that's out in the open. Sin and wickedness. Incest. This is the worst thing that you can do to your child is to expose them to the depravity of sexual immorality. It's the worst thing in the world that you can do because now you have put them on a path of wickedness in themselves. And you wonder why Hunter Biden has a problem. It's called sin and wickedness and perversion. But they all wanna sweep it under the rug. But see, when it comes to God, he has no rug. Everything is exposed to the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. See, if we knew that we would have to give an account, we wouldn't do wickedness. We just wouldn't do it. Because we will have to give an account for every thought, every word, and every deed. Saved and unsaved. We all have to render an account. Wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Just because God is sorry that he made them, doesn't mean that a person is released from his judgment. It wasn't God that sinned, it was Adam and Eve that sinned. God told them, of the trees of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You and I are faced with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil every single day. It's the decision whether we're going to stay from it or eat of it and die. Remember what it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Which one are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the wages of sin, which is death, 
or are we going to choose the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Look at verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, it takes effort to be righteous. It takes effort to be self-controlled. It takes effort to be disciplined with the life of Jesus on the inside of us helping us. Because we can't do this on our own. We can't figure out why we do what we do. The only thing that we can do is lay ourselves before God and say, God, help me. That's why Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Deliver me from evil, Lord. Deliver me from the evil one. I know that we love praying sophisticated, word of faith kind of prayers. But have you ever prayed, deliver me from evil? Keep me from the evil one, Lord. Have we ever learn to discipline ourselves? Have we ever learned to change the channel when a salacious show is on with all that stuff getting in your heart, corroding it, making your heart callous before God? Have you ever turned from it? I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Watch this. In verse 9, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Are, are we walking with God? The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 5, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that way you won't do the things that you want to do. As many as are led by the spirit of God. These are the sons of God it says in Romans chapter 8. Do we cry out? Many temptations Come, Lord, and they're common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which we are able, but will, with the temptation, always make a way of escape for us. Do we ask God for wisdom to abstain from sin? Not just wisdom to carry on the days of life, but wisdom to abstain from sin. You know that three letter word that no one wants to talk about? Noah walked with God. Are we walking with God? Are we walking with him? Go to 1 John 
First John chapter 2, look at verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Don't ever say that I know him and you don't keep his commandments. Well, why is that? Go up, if you will, in chapter 1. What, 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 what is that? Well, let, let, let's, find, let's find out. Look at verse, chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, we love to isolate verse 9, but we never talk about verse 8 and verse 10. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Are you walking as he walked? Go back to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Uh, excuse me, Genesis chapter 6. Verse 11 now. The earth, was, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The word violence is the Hebrew word Hamas. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.